Gracious God, you've promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish all that you desire. It will succeed in the matter for which you've sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated. There's an old saying that your checkbook and your calendar never lie. And think about that. How you spend your time and how you spend your money reveals what matters most to you. That's true not only with regard to charitable giving and worship attendance, but everyday purchases as well. For example, your trash reveals your credit card or your bank statement. That may not be in chronological order, but if I were to go through your trash, I could reconstruct your bank account, your bank statement, your credit card statement. Your purchases reveal your priorities. That's Roman numeral one on page 11 of your worship bulletin. Your purchases reveal your priorities. And that's true throughout the life cycle. Teenagers have different priorities than people in their 20s and 30s. People in their 20s and 30s are thinking about family, children, child care expenses, and so on. Later on in life, when you get to be 80, 90 years of age, very different set of priorities. You're concerned about nursing home expense. You're concerned about in-home care, medication, hearing aids, so on and so forth. Roman numeral two, God's purchases reveal his priorities. God's purchases reveal his priorities. So what does God purchase? If God had a shopping list, what would it look like? What would it look like? Well, among other things, it would look like everyone gathered here and people not gathered here as well. All humanity. That is God's shopping list. Letter A, people are what God purchases, people. Take a look at page 8 of your bulletin once again, the first reading for this morning. Beginning at verse 6, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God, meaning set apart. That's what holy means. You're set apart for God's use, not your own use or someone else's use, but the Lord's use. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. You are God's treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who were on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. You were the fewest of all peoples. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath he swore to your fathers. In other words, the reason you're God's treasured possession, the reason is all about God, not about you. But the Lord has 
brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you. That means purchased you. That's what redemption is. It is to purchase someone out of a low estate and lift them up to a higher one. We are sons of God. We are heirs of God through our baptism and through faith in Jesus Christ. You've been redeemed. You've been purchased. Letter B on page 11. The Lord reveals himself as our kinsman, our kinsman redeemer. That's what kin does. Kin comes to the rescue. We see that in this beautiful story in Genesis chapter 14. Uh, Abram, later Abraham, Abram and Lot separate because their herdsmen were quarreling. The Lord had blessed them so much they had innumerable flocks and herds. The land couldn't support them all. So they went their separate ways. Lot went to Sodom. Well, Sodom came under attack by a coalition of kings. They carried Lot and the people of Sodom away as captives. And what did Uncle Avram or Abram do? He got all of his men together in his household, 318 in all, saddled them up, and went after those kings, pursuing them as far as Dan. That's northern Israel. They surprised them by night, scattered them, and pursued them all the way to Damascus. I think even beyond Damascus. Completely defeated them. Abram rescued his nephew Lot. Because that's what kin does. And that became a paradigm. That became really almost a command in Israel and later in Judaism. The highest obligation of any Israelite, the highest obligation of any Jew, is to come to the rescue of the captive. We see that in the book of Ruth. Naomi is a destitute widow along with her daughter-in-law Ruth. But Boaz is kin. And Boaz redeems Naomi and her what used to be her property, buys it back so that she has an inheritance. She has substance now because of Boaz. Boaz is kin. Boaz redeems his kin. And so this, this became nearly a command in Israel called Pidyon Shevuyim. It's the redemption of captives. The highest obligation of any Jew is to redeem captives. And that becomes really a preview of the work of Christ. The work that God would accomplish through the person of his son, Jesus Christ, redeeming the captives from sin and death, that would be you and me and all humanity. St. Paul writes in Romans 8 that Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. That means God has made himself kin to you and to me, and as kin, he comes to our deliverance, to our rescue. And so let her see the entire ministry of Jesus was an extravagant act of purchasing. Jesus came to purchase people, to purchase humanity. And we see that 
in our gospel reading for this morning. Beginning at verse 44, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven, meaning the reign of heaven, the governance of heaven, it's not a realm, it's not real estate, it's governance. God's governance in the world is like treasure hidden in a field. Who's the treasure? You are the treasure. Which a man found and covered up. Who's the man? That would be Christ. I know this is a different way to understand the parable than we're traditionally taught, but I think this is the correct way to understand it. It's not that Jesus is the treasure and we're all seeking him and we sell everything we have in order to obtain Jesus. None of us do that. Jesus is the one who sells everything he has. He's the one, according to St. Paul in Philippians, who made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross, he redeems humanity. He gives up everything for you and for me. In his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven, the governance of God in the world, is like a merchant, that would be Jesus, in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all he had and bought it. These parables are not about discipleship. They're not about you. They're about Christ. The parables are about how Jesus acts in the world for our sake. We cannot buy our way into God's kingdom no matter how much we give up or not. It's impossible for us. But he buys our way into the kingdom through the shedding of his precious blood. So the application, Roman numeral three. Letter A, your value is not inherent. That means you have no value in and of yourself with respect to God. You and I have no value. We may have value to one another. But before God, no, we have actually a negative value. <laughs> In Romans 3, Paul writes, just quoting the Psalms, there's no one righteous, no, not one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Together they, meaning we, have become worthless. <laughs> worthless with respect to God and his will. So your value is not inherent. Rather, it is assigned by others. Your value is assigned by others. That's true of anything you try to sell. Put your house up for sale. Your house, the value of your house is not the value you assign to it, it's the value the buyer assigns to it. What is he or she willing to pay for it? That's the value of your home. Same is true for us. David said in Psalm 142, no one cares about me. No one cares for my life, David wrote. No one cares. Now, that's an exaggeration. I believe somebody was caring about David. But there are times in life when it feels as if no one cares. There are times in life when you could swear that nobody gives a flip about you. You feel that way. Those feelings are very real. They may not be accurate, but the feelings are there. And it is at that moment of despair that God drives us to the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to remind us of our value before God. 
Our value in his eyes is the value of his own son, whom he gave up for you and for me. Your worth is what God is willing to pay for you, and that is Christ. You're worth Jesus to God. And you can't be any more valuable than that. Letter B. Your value to men is based on what you can do for them. What you can do for them, that's your value. I remember uh, graduating from Purdue back in the mid-70s, and uh, <laughs> that was what, what I would call the Great Recession. I mean, I, yeah, I'm part of the baby boom, but there were a lot of boomers ahead of me. They took up all the jobs. <laughs> and it was tough to find employment. I remember uh, going into a nursery in the Lafayette area looking for work, and the first thing the owner of the nursery asked me, he said, how can you help me make money? I thought, wait a minute, I'm here to make some money. And <laughs> but he's right. That was my value to him, and I think I helped him make money. That's your value in the eyes of the world. What can you do for them? Letter C, your value to God is based on what God can do for you. What God can do for you. God assigns your value. He says, you are worth my son to me, my only son. I give up my only son in exchange for you. God declares us valuable because of Christ, just as he declares us righteous in his eyes. Because of Christ. Peter wrote, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. I like that. The empty way of life handed down to you from your fathers. But it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, that you were purchased, that you were redeemed. Letter D. Christ purchases a community, but the community is incomplete without you. It's incomplete without you. You as an individual matter to God. Your value is not based on what you can do for him, but what he has done for you in Christ. He's given the life of his only son in exchange for yours. He's purchased you with the blood of your son, of his son. My friends, your purchases reveal your priorities. God's purchases reveal his. You are his treasured possession. You are who you are in God's eyes, in spite of your sin and rebellion against him. And it's the same with me. You are valuable because God has assigned to you the value of his son. And there is no greater value anyone can assign to you than that. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.